0: Welcome to the First Prez podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. If you would like to worship with us in person, our services are Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Prez at wwwfirst presidentorg Wow, it's great to see this uh, this hall of worship so filled up and see you responding to a special morning like this in this way. Um, let me tell you, I'm kind of nervous. I am. So you just feel like the Spirit of the Lord is, is doing something. Would you open your Bibles with me? We're gonna look at Matthew 5, verses 14 to 16. So um, scripture will be in front of you on the screen. I always encourage you to open and open your own Bible, but the scripture is always going to be there for you, and, uh, and let's open the word of God together and turn to the Lord by opening our hearts to him in prayer. Lord, we long to hear you, we long to know you, we long to serve you with whatever energy and gifts we have. We want to glorify you, Lord. And so speak to us by your holy writ. Lord, open your word to us, your holy scriptures, that so we can hear from you words of life, and words of grace and truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew 5, 14 to 16. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light. To everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. This is God's word and we are grateful. Amen? Amen. Well, today is a very different kind of a Sunday. Today is something that we haven't done before. And our pattern is to have a congregational meeting this Sunday each year, sometime late in the day, and invite people to come back. And we speak to those people who come who, about our mission and our vision and what God has been calling us toward as we've served Him in the, in the last year and moving ahead into the next year. And this year, we wanted to do something different. Today, we want to open up the playbook for everyone, for every man, woman, and child of this church. We want to kind of open up the playbook for you. Like the way that the, the Patriots try to open up the playbook of whatever other team they're playing. <laughs> Something like that. But, but we, Oh, yes, yes. But, uh, but we want to show you the playbook. So I'm gonna spend the next uh, time with you talking about what is it that we believe Christ is calling us to do and to be in the next few years. So your elders and your staff, your pastors, we've all been praying, we've been talking, we've been on retreat in the summer, we've been searching the scriptures, and we believe that Christ is doing something. We believe that Jesus is calling our church, all of us together forward into a new next chapter. We are called to be light and life for the city. Here's the bottom line up front. Friends, you know First Pres, We are a great place for Christians. We are. Can we be a great place to meet Christ for the very first time? That's the bottom line up front. Our church was started in 1872 by a guy named Sheldon Jackson, there he is, who was told by the Presbyterian Missions Board that he was too weak and puny to go to India as a missionary. And so he turned his sights under the call of the Lord to the west. In one seven year period, he established 67 different churches in the Rocky Mountains and saw 36 church buildings erected, of which ours was one. In the course of his life, he planted about 110 churches from Arizona all the way up to Alaska. That's Sheldon Jackson, our founder. And reflecting on his time planting churches around here, he said he learned two lessons trying to bring the gospel to the Wild West. Two lessons he learned. He said, I learned I needed to develop a firmer trust in God. I needed to develop a firmer trust in God. And then the second thing was he said, I learned I needed to lead with greater boldness and courage. So he wrote in his journal, God blesses aggressiveness. We need to cultivate an aggressive spirit and asking of God for great things an expectation of great things from God and an attempting of great things for God. Now we probably wouldn't use the word aggressive, but we might say something like bold, right? Courageous. What he found was that the people of the frontier West responded to bold, courageous leadership. And Jackson, he didn't have an easy life, but he said, I didn't get into ministry for things to be easy. I got into ministry as an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ, to do the greatest good to the greatest number. As an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ, pick up right there at two and just say it with me, to do the greatest good to the greatest number. Friends, that's what your elders and your pastors, that's what we've been praying for. That's what we've been seeking the Lord for. And that's what I'm putting in front of you this morning. We are prepared to ask of you today, it's time to be bold. It's time to ask great things of God. It's time to expect great things from God. It's time to attempt great things for God that we can be ambassadors of Jesus Christ doing the greatest good to the greatest number. Colorado Springs is changing. It wasn't long ago that the downtowns of cities like ours were all sort of emptying out, and it wasn't long ago that leadership of this church had to take very seriously the prospect of leaving downtown and moving out to the suburbs to continue the mission that Christ had given us, and it took courage and faith to stay downtown. Well, now we're here, and we're dead in the heart of the city during the renaissance of Colorado Springs, Now, you watch this go by. Every week, Colorado Springs is named the number one place to do this and number two place to move this and number one place for millennials to come do this. And you've seen it all go by, haven't you? I mean, it's it's almost laughable. It's ridiculous. But God has blessed our city with a new chapter. And friends, First Prez is being blessed with a new chapter. We're getting ready for what may well be the most effective and exciting chapter this church has ever seen right here and right now. But it's going to take some initiative because we're not at strength. We're not at strength. Looking back to 2008, 10 years ago, we had 4,700 members and worshiped around 2,600 people on a Sunday morning. Today, we're around 3,200 members and uh, around 2,000 in weekly worship. Now, there's been an uptick over the last few years, but to summarize a a decade for us, to summarize a 10-year experience, as a church, we've experienced a 34% decline in membership, a 22% decline in Sunday attendance, and a 5.5% decline in the resources that we have to work with as a church. Friends, it is time to change course. It's time for a new direction. It's time to be a turnaround story. While we're headed in a better direction, we still have some ground to make up just to get to our 2008 numbers that we should, but what we should be aiming for is to be even more than that, to be even greater than that, to do the greatest good to the greatest what? Number for the glory of God. Our average age, friends, what I'm saying is, it's not optional. <laughs> Thank you. It's not optional. We need to focus on growth. We need to focus on evangelism. It's not optional. We need to change course. Our average age as a church, does anybody want to guess? Yeah, somebody knows. Our average age is 63. 63 as a church, which is a great age. I know that is a great age. <laughs> it is. But but you know what the challenge is. That makes it harder for us to be attractive to 20-somethings who are moving in downtown. That makes it a challenge for us. So uh, I was able to come up with an easy solution to that one. <laughs> all, all we need to do is every one of us here needs to have Just one baby, okay? (laughs) And it's just like that. No? That's not going (laughs) to work. It's been working with the staff. Where's Rod? Yeah. Now, I, I only mention our average age because you know how it's a challenge to walk into a room where you're 10 years or 20 years or, or 40 years sort of off that average age of the room. So we just want to be aware of that. We want to be, We want to be thoughtful about that. We want to be engaged with knowing, as we've talked about, that we are giving ourselves away to the next generation, right? So we have, we've faced some challenges as a church and we're not at full strength, but I believe we're returning to strength and we can be at full strength again within five years if we, if we will engage, if we'll show some initiative, if we will... If we will ask the Lord of great things and expect great things and attempt great things to come back to strength, to do the greatest good to the greatest number, why wouldn't we try? Why wouldn't we ask the Lord to bring us back to strength right here in the heart of downtown Colorado Springs? So, let's talk about the next 1,000. Are we 1,000 short? Let's talk about the next 1,000. The next 1,000 people we intend to reach, the next 1,000 people the Lord is going to reach through the ministries of First Pres, Colorado Springs. Some of them, you know, we're a great place for Christians. Some of the next 1,000 who come and join with us in this mission, they're gonna be believers and they will have moved to Colorado Springs and been looking for a church and they're gonna find a church home here and that's fantastic, but listen, the strength of the next 1,000, the majority of the next 1,000 must be people who do not yet know Jesus Christ. They must be. The only way for us to survive the current decline of the church, the only way for us to be a turnaround story that carries this mission on, and we know we will. We know the church doesn't falter. We know it doesn't fail. We know the faithfulness of Christ from generation to generation to generation. The way to do that, the way forward, is to take up the mantle of evangelism that Christ has called us to, to reach those who currently do not know the love and grace of Jesus Christ. The next 1,000 are men and women and children who today know nothing of the love and grace of Jesus Christ. And listen, they are going to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ through the ministry of First Press and what we do here every Sunday morning. Are you with me? You. And they won't all be twenty somethings. Many should, many will, many, many should be but we have a large population of retirees who moved to Colorado Springs and, and they're open to the gospel in marvelous ways in that chapter of life and they're going to come to know the Lord. There's going to be people who currently don't know Jesus who are gonna come to know Jesus and his saving grace through the ministry of this church. Do you see that? So who are they? I want you to look at the screen and just imagine, who are these people? Who are these thousand? We don't have to reach every person, every we don't have to touch every soul in Colorado Springs, but friends, we have to reach that thousand. Who are they? Are they friends of yours? Some of them are, are families that are, are currently trying to make things work and they're struggling and they're going to have a crisis this year. And they're going to turn to us and ask, does God have anything to say about the pain in my life? Some of them are, are, are retirees, wondering what purpose God has for them in that season of life. How can I, how can I serve the Lord with my gifts right now? Some of them, uh, some of them are our kids who, who need to be baptized and raised in the Lord and brought to that moment of their personal profession of faith to know Jesus Christ. Some of them are kids in our high schools who are on the edge of utter despair. Friends, who are those thousand? Do you have a name? Do you have anyone? Write that name down. I want you to start praying for them right now. Do you remember what it was like to be without Jesus? To be groping around in the dark, walking into the closet? (laughs) We can reach the next 1,000 if we are willing to not only be a great place for Christians, but if we are willing to be a great place to meet Christ. For some time among the staff and leadership, we've talked about the path of discipleship. Jesus declared in the Great Commission that we are to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. If we are about anything in the world, we are making disciples right? As followers of Jesus, we are worshipers making followers of Jesus, making disciples. So we've talked about something called the path of discipleship. It looks like this. We help community members to become participants, people that we know by name. We didn't know them before, but now we know them by name. We have them on some mailing list or some group, you know, and they're participants, but but we don't leave them there. We help participants to become worshipers, Worshippers are people who know that God is worthy of praise, that know that He's good, that He's, he's loving, that he's, some, he's praiseworthy, and we adore and worship Him, who give thanks for His grace and mercy in Jesus Christ. But worshipers isn't what Jesus told us to make. What did He tell us to make? So we take worshipers, and we encourage them to become disciples. We train, we train, and we study, and we work together, and we make disciples but not just disciples who are, love gathering information and learning and, and are excited by learning more and more things, but doers of the word. Not just readers of the word only, but doers of the word. Are you with me? So we call that active disciples who are using their gifts to the glory of God. Now, at First press we are really good. We're really strong from the middle of that road forward. If you come to us as a worshiper who knows and loves God, who who knows that God is worthy of praise, has a relationship with God, we can push you right down the track into becoming a disciple and becoming activated in your gifts. That's where we live. That's our wheelhouse. But Jesus said to go to all people, making disciples out of them. Make disciples out of people who are not disciples. You see? That's a greater challenge. We're a great place for Christians. Can we be a great place to meet Christ? We're a great place for Christians, we really are, and I'm not worried about losing that. We always will be a great place to be Christians and to grow in discipleship and and love and and service of, of Jesus. But we need to put more energy over here. We need to learn more about being over here. We're a great place for Christians. Can we be a great place to meet Christ? Our logo and mission statement are a first strategic push back toward the front end of the path of discipleship. This logo is not designed to gather Christians. Would you agree? There's nothing Christian about it. It is not designed to gather Christians. It is designed, to begin a conversation with non-Christians. Let me tell you a story. There was a college student who had this logo on his laptop this fall, and a fellow student asked him, hey, what's that? And he said, well, that's my church. I go to First Pres Church downtown. Now, that interchange right there would never have happened with a traditional church logo. Do you agree? So the door got opened. And do you know what that guy said? After our friend said, oh, it's that's, that's my church, I get a first place." You know what this guy said? He said, I don't know about God. Why does he let uh, bad things happen to good people? You know? And do you know what, what our friend said? He said, I know that's a tough question, and I wrestle with a lot of tough questions too. In fact, I was thinking about getting a group of of students together to open the Bible and and wrestle with some tough questions. Would you be interested in doing that? And do you know what this kid said? He said, yes. And he gathered a few friends. And all of a sudden the light of Christ was being shared on a college campus right around the corner from where we live. Friends, that felt a little weird to us at first. It felt a little strange to us to take on a logo like this. We are not used to actually making decisions that actually impact the lives of actual non-believers, community members. We're not used to living on that end of of the spectrum, but we're gonna do it because Christ has called us to do it. And we're going to do it more and more. We will lead with boldness to be ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ to do the greatest good to the greatest number, just like Sheldon Jackson taught us. Our Matthew passage lays it out for us. See, when it says a community of Christ followers, a community of of believers becomes a witness to Christ. A gathering of believers becomes a city on a hill, he said. You become a light. And there's nothing to match the power of the local church when it is faithful to Jesus Christ. It's a light. It's a light to the world around. It's a light in the darkness and a beacon. Here's what it says, verse 14. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. You are. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Because you are a great place for Christians, you are a light. You are a light for Christ, because you worship deeply, because your teaching is true, because you marinate in the word of God and you practice the word of God and follow Jesus with full devotion, because you you want to be faithful disciples, you are a light, you are a light. Now let that light shine, let it shine. Don't just be a great place for Christians and have it in there, do you see? That light is to shine in places of darkness, in places where people are groping and lost and confused and need to know the grace and love of Jesus Christ. Don't just be a great place for Christians. Be a great place to meet Christ. Along with the logo came a mission statement. We are called by Christ to be light and life for the city. Well, that isn't much about us and what we're getting out of this organization, is it? You know, what are you you giving me? This this asks another question. It asks, what is the world getting from First Press? What are the people around us hearing from First Press? What do they see when they look at us? Are they getting something of Jesus through us? And it's not light and life in the city, and it's not light and life to the city. It's light and life, what? For the city. Do they know that we're for them? Do they hear that God is for them? And are they hearing us telling them that God is for you and He's good? Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Light, light is associated with knowledge. There is knowledge that needs to be shared. There's, there's instruction, understanding. When we are in the dark, we are blind. But when we are in the light, we're able to see. Light is, is purifying truth. Life is a little bit different than that. Life, we, when we use the word life, we think about activity, a way of life. And Jesus brings a new way of life, a new way of living in this world. And his ways are actually life-giving. They're actually, uh, they're actually life-bringing instead of of life-eroding ways, ways that that pull life out of us. So following the mission of Jesus means being those who convey His light and His life to the world. And so we are. We're a life-giving body. We're a light-sharing body. And we give life, you know? Our church responds to the needs of the world in broken places and literally brings help for life. We respond through all of our missions engagement, local, global. We respond to the needs and hurting places of the world. But we give life in other ways. We're, we're a generative, creative community, creating music and, and art and, and writings and paintings and all these things that, that just add to the flourishing of life and we present those things as gifts to the world around us. Life literally spreads from this body through our city, through our nation, straight across the globe. Now, city, that's light, that's life. What about city? City is a word for how we live together, for how we learn to live together. And we are for the city. That means, in a way, we're for Colorado Springs, because why? Because this is where Christ planted us, this is where Jesus wanted this mission, and he stuck it right here in the heart of Colorado Springs. So sure, we are for the well-being of our city in which we live, but you know what? We're for another city, a greater city, a city that's coming where we live with God as our home in perfect harmony and peace. We are for the city of God. We're called to be light and life for the city. And that means we won't just be a great place for Christians. We'll also be a great place to meet Christ. Okay. Pastor Tim, what does a great place to meet Christ look like? Right? Well, a lot of things are going to stay exactly the same. You know, a lot of things are not going to change. We know for sure we're staying right here in the heart of downtown Colorado Springs. And, and when we return to strength, it'll be a return to strength right here. We're returning to strength in the Lord with our mission that's rooted right here in the heart of Colorado Springs. And when that mission expands, it will have to satellite out or, or move out or plant out from strength right here in the heart of the city. We know that we're called to worship in two modes. Let me say this as clearly as I can. The worship center is not an experiment, and the sanctuary does not have an expiration date. Are you with me? <laughs> not an experiment, not an expiration. I'm fully confident that Christ has called us to worship with excellence in two modes. And someday, uh, when I hand this church off to my successor, someday, years from now, don't worry, I'm fully confident that I will be handing off a two-mode worship church. So we're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're committed to it. As long as the Lord allows to worship in two modes. We are staying unapologetically evangelical and reformed. Both of those words, they stand some definition, don't they? But we know who we are. We are Christ-centered, gospel-focused, biblically-based, and we use the very best expression of Reformed and Presbyterian church order that we can find in our times. I believe in what we're doing. I believe in, in the doctrine that we're presenting. I believe in the form of church that we are living out together. So a lot doesn't change. A lot doesn't change. We are going to be a great place we are a great place for Christians, but what does a great place to meet Christ look like? Well, listen, I think, I think it calls us to change the way we think, the way we talk, the way we plan, and the way we pray. It calls us to change the way we think. How do you think about your church? Do you think of First Pres as an instrument to reach the lost for Christ? Do you think of, of our activity as an evangelistic effort to seek and to save the lost? How do you think about first prayers when we gather? Do you think of your church as a tool for evangelistic ministry? We're changing our environment to be more conducive to the unchurched first time seeker You might not remember the first time you walked through the doors, but I'll tell you something about that experience. You got lost, right? We're changing our environment to be more conducive to the first time visitor, guest, seeker. We're adopting shifts in our hosting strategies, our welcome strategies, our doorways classes, and all of our communications patterns. And do you know why? It's so that you, can use First pres as a tool to help others meet Christ. Do you trust your church as an instrument of evangelism? Change the way you think about Sunday morning. Change the way you think about first press we are making every effort to be a useful tool in your hands and in the hands of christ to bring glory to his name and to seek and to save the lost i need to know you think of your church like that i need to know you think of your church as an instrument to reach those you know who are lost and without the lord changes the way we think. Number two, it changes the way we talk. Sometimes you'll hear me or other leaders get up and explain things that you think, well this is very, you know, they're using very simple uh, language and I, I know all about that. You don't have to use that simplistic language. Well listen, we're doing that on purpose. Those are things that you already know but newcomers might not, see? It's fun for me to talk about the eschatological implications of faithful, mature Christian discipleship and tithing among the body of Christ, right? That's fun for me, you know? It's fun for us to say, uh, hey, I'll, I'll, uh, we're going to meet together uh, in the, in, with the deacons and the trustees and the narthex after the benediction, right? That makes perfect sense. But if you've come here without any knowledge of the Lord, with no church background, if you've come here searching, wondering if God has something for you with with no church language, no lingo, that's all gobbledygook to you, isn't it? So it's out, we don't need it. It's gonna change the way we talk. Talk with an expectation that you're here, has no idea what Inside Baseball Church is all about. It takes some intentionality. It changes the way we think and talk. It changes the way we plan. We work hard now as a staff to present series after series, you see, and to make the point clear and simple, with our songs, with our prayers, with all of our communication, with our decoration that's on the walls. The point should be very clear, you see. Do you know why we do that? You remember these series? You remember, remember, Lord. Remember, gentle. Uh, remember, first things first. Uh, what was your fr- beloved? The prodigal, man, friends, we're going to do that. That's what's coming more and more, you see? And those are going to keep coming. And, and let me explain to you what they're for, because they're not for you. I mean, they are kinda, they're, I mean, they're for all of us, they're for you, and it helps keep us focused, and helps keep us, you know, walking along together in the same direction, but they're, they're not just for you, they're also, they're also so that you can use these series as an evangelistic tool. When you see a series coming, listen now, I don't want you asking, I wonder what I'll get out of that series. What I want you asking is, I wonder who I know who needs to hear that. Do you see? Do you see the difference? And it changes the way we plan, the way we plan for our involvement in church. I mean, don't worry. The Word of God will come in strength and power. It will nurture your soul. It will give you all you need to carry on. I'm not talking about watering down. I'm not talking about, about, you know, getting surfacy and leaving the Word of God behind. None of that. But what I'm talking about is you planning to invite. I want you thinking about your plus one. You know the plus one? You get a plus one, okay? You always get a plus one. And when a new series comes along, I want you praying about who is your plus one that you need to invite. We have to change the way we plan. I'm gonna hazard a guess that if you've been with us for a year or more, you can look back over the last year and you had a Sunday where you left this church and, and on your way to the car or on your way home, you, you slapped your head and said, ah, crud. I I knew I should have invited her to that service. Haven't you had that experience? And you thought, oh, that was the perfect thing for my daughter to hear. That was the exact thing that my son needed to hear. That was the perfect thing for my friend to hear right in this moment. And I thought about inviting, but I didn't do it. And now you regret it. And I know you regret it. Do you know why? Because you've called my office and you send me emails, and you say, is there any way to share that message with my cousin? Is there any way to deliver that message? Well, I can't go preach at her house, you know? But I can give you a link, and she could listen to something back. Or, but it's not the same. It's not the same as being here. Listen now. This is the promise that we're ready to make, Vision Sunday 2019. The next time you see a message coming, and you wonder if it will be good, for your seeking or searching non-Christian friend, for an unbelieving relative, my promise to you is that message will be every bit as clear and that Sunday morning experience will be every bit as powerful as the Sunday that you remember regretting not issuing the invitation. I want you looking for your plus one. You've been around uh, when I've called for a prayer of salvation, I know you have. And uh, this year, we're changing the way we're planning as a staff. It won't be every Sunday that I do that, you know, where we all pray together, a call for salvation, but but there are set Sundays as a staff, and among the prayer team and other leaders, we will know that a call for salvation is coming. See, it changes the way we plan. It changes the way we pray. Friends, salvation belongs to the Lord. This is God's plan of salvation. This is God's mission to seek and to save. This is Christ's work. reach the lost and the holy spirit's power to bring redemption i can get up here and spout pretty ideas and theories all day long but unless the lord builds the house the builders labor in vain unless the lord watches over the city the guards stand watch in vain pray pray for people who need jesus pray for an opening to share his light pray for your church to be an effective instrument of conversion in the hands of the Lord. Pray, pray for First Pres, to be a great place to meet Christ, to be light and life for the city. Amen? 2019 begins the next chapter and a lot is already on the way. It includes a expansion and renewal of all our family ministry, our commitment to raising kids in the Lord, it includes the First Pres Fellows arriving in August. This weekend, by the way, yesterday, we got our first official acceptance. We have our first First Pres Fellow. And let me tell you, you're going to see in August a group of a dozen young leaders rolling up on our church that you are not going to believe. You're not going to believe it. Our staff and trustees have been working overtime to bring a full renewal of our network and our internet systems so we can use a new church management software called Rock. I know, that sounds so exciting, doesn't it? (laughs) You're like, what? But listen now, you watch. This is gonna change the way we interact with one another and with our church. And if you're 20 or, you know, if you're 20 years old and your church does not exist on your phone, your church doesn't exist, you with me? So just wait and see what this unfolds in the Lord's hands. The next chapter begins today. And the next chapter of our church is a critical one. We can be complacent. We can accept the status quo. We can continue the slow decline into diminution and destruction. We can just melt away, melt away. As John Orberg said, said to our national gathering just a couple of years ago, he said, well, we can be content to just uh, die slower. Right? Or, or, we can take on the mission of Christ to seek and save souls from eternal death, to shake the gates of hell and rob damnation of its rewards through the grace of Jesus, and the light and life of Christ. I'm not content to die slow. <laughs> We're a great place for Christians. We can be a great place to what? Meet Christ. First press can be light and life for the city. So friends, in your hands then is a, a goofy little flashlight. You get to keep it. Don't, uh, don't tell me we never gave you anything. It's in your hands for a reason. It's a symbol, something in your hand. Because in many ways, the whole purpose of this morning is to tell you, to tell you the next step is in your hands. We've done all that we can and are doing all that we can to make First Press a great place to meet Christ. But the next chapter is really up to you. Will you trust your church? Will you trust us with your friends and family members who need the Lord? Will you begin to think and talk and plan and pray differently about your life here at First Pres and what it means? Will you, will you use your church as an instrument of evangelism to reach the city for Christ? This is going to be a great place to meet Jesus for the very first time. So in just a minute, the lights are going to come down and we'll uh, just allow a shroud of darkness to come over us and as the music begins and as we begin to sing, we're all just going to sit and take a moment together. I just want you to take a moment. And after you see the staff, us leaders, pastors and up here, begin to stand up and turn on our flashlights, after things start up here, when you're ready. If there's anything in you willing to be part of this mission, if there's any part of you, anything in you ready to say yes and commit to being the city on a hill, to conveying the light and life of Christ to the darkened world around you, if there's anything in you willing to be a light on the stand, if there's any, anything in you that's compelled to want to be a part of this purpose that's bigger than all of us, an instrument in the hands of God to bring glory to the name of Jesus Christ in Colorado Springs in 2019, if there's anything in you ready to say yes, then when that moment comes to you, stand and light your flashlight. Let's pray together. Lord, your faithfulness endures from generation to generation. Your hand has been on our church, Lord, for so many decades to bring your light and life to the city of Colorado Springs, to save people to the glory of your name, Lord, we tremble to think what you can do with a church like this fully devoted to your glory. So Lord, touch us this morning. Encourage us. Send your Holy Spirit to enliven us in our service to you in the next chapter to the glory of the name of Jesus. In his name we pray, and together we say, Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to our first Prez Podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at wwwfirst presidentorg